one day in the seminary, somehow I was asked to, the, to ferry a certain monk who shall be nameless because they're still around, uh, but I was asked to ferry them across over the Sandiam to, I think, Le Grand, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not quite sure. And we were in this, it wasn't my car that I got a monastery car. It was an old rust bucket that uh, was chugging along, you know, so we're, we're chugging up 22, and this thing starts to sputter. You have a full tank of gas. It's sputtering and spitting and s smoking, and um, I'm thinking, Holy Mary, Mother of God, I'm going to stuck on the top of the hill with this monk all, all day. We didn't have cell phones then, and it wouldn't have worked anyway. I don't think there is coverage right up there. We got to the top somehow, but people behind us weren't too thrilled. But we, we got up there. And then, of course, you begin to coast downward. So that was all right. And it seemed to resolve itself a little bit until we got to a hill, and then it would start again, and so on. But uh, to make a long story short, we got to Sisters, and then that was it, you know. So we said, what can we do about this? The monk went off to do what he could do. And I had an idea what it was, because having had a Vega, I've replaced everything at least twice in that car. And I just had a, I just had a, in those days, you know, you could fix anything in a car. These days, it's all computers. But we, I, I basically, I chugged that thing into the local gas station with a, that had a, had a garage in it. And I told them what I thought it was, and they agreed. And we got it fixed. What it was was the fuel pump, which in that car was in the gas tank. And it was just clogged with sediment. You know, which is what happens. It had, you know, we got on the hill. It all, everything rolled to wherever the gas, the fuel pump was. We took that out, got it replaced. Everything's working great. And here comes the monk back. He doesn't like this story. It's fun. I'm not saying what his name is. And uh, he did what he could, which was to get a room for the night till a rescue car could come from, from Mount Angel and pick us up and tow this this thing off to the dump or whatever it was that we had. And he came back with a bag of potato chips. That's how he's, that's, that's what he did. I said, well, while you were doing that, while you were getting those chips, I got the car fixed. So when then we went on our merry way. And as an aside, uh, when we got back, I gave him a little, I said, here's a little gift for you. And uh, in the inside, it's, it said, to be open in case of emergency, and it was a bag of potato chips. He didn't like that either, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> and I mention that because uh, we find Philip and Andrew and the other 12, we assume the other 12 were there, although they're not mentioned, uh, in a similar situation. They're in a no-win situation. The, Jesus has talked a long time. People, they had food. This boy with his five barley loaves and two fishes, that would have been a typical on-the-go meal for people of that era, the smoked fish that would last and, and bread barley loaves lasted longer than, than wheat. And so, well, actually, barley was a kind of wheat. We wouldn't think of it that way now. So uh, he, this, and uh, Philip is the first one Jesus asks. And Philip, you know, God love him. When Acts of the Apostles come, he's so filled with the Spirit, he just immediately responds to the Spirit. But here, every time he shows up, he's just like clueless. And here's Philip like a deer in the headlights when he hears this question. You know, God, we can't. We don't have enough money for this. Well, hello, he's been with Jesus now for, for four or five chapters. You, you would think he would he have some clue. And Andrew gets an insight that maybe Jesus is going to do something. So he, Andrew, thinks about it and comes up with 
what he does what he can he says well here's this boy and some food but what can we do I think he was inviting or asking Jesus in a way what can you do and Jesus of course accepts that small gift and multiplies the loaves and fishes yeah look at how he does that because it's unique to um, John's gospel a lot of this is he mentions they have 12 worker baskets left over everything in John almost everything in John has deeper meanings that invite us to meditate on his gospel in particular the 12 apostles the 12 tribes of Israel the 12 gates in the city of God in heaven for example 12 is, a, is one of the divine numbers it's not an accident that John points this out they're in the presence of divinity here and of a miracle that's going to be begin what we call the Eucharistic discourse in other words he's going Jesus is going to be telling us about the theology of the Eucharist and it scandalizes everybody when they realize he's really means what he says but we're not there yet instead it reminds us of what Saint Ignatius Loyola said when he he was laid up in a uh, he, he was in a hospital for a couple of months with a, with a with a leg wound from being a soldier and he ended up as the great Saint Ignatius by what he read which was the lives of the saints but he said people sometimes ask too much of themselves God only asks what we can do and not more but he does ask us to do something so while we had COVID uh, most of you at one point could not get here and yet we were called to if we could to watch on video and to pray, perhaps pray a little bit more at home to keep our faith alive and a lot of people say it actually grew during that period I know mine did and it was uh, so Jesus takes this offering but notice it starts with something that was offered to him so when we ask we're, we're making an offering just by asking and then we may our offering may consist of a thanksgiving or Jesus I trust in you or we might take that first step forward and then Jesus does the rest we have to have, we got that human dignity of a human choice I have to make the choice to go forward everything Jesus does is an investment maybe it's an investment in somebody else an investment in our future or in the kingdom of God but it starts with that one or two cents like that widow and the other, some of the other stories that we give God and then he multiplies it but notice how he multiplies the loaves and fishes there's I imagine it's a basket like a picnic basket type thing he got a basket probably a rather large basket I don't know but it had I'm, I'm just conjecturing here but it had the, the tops that would come up and down and they had uh, baskets that were very very prevalent at the time of Christ and he puts the the food in there and they start passing it out and people keep putting their hands in the thing and it just never comes to an end and people begin to notice this not at first because they don't know that there's only five loaves and two fish only the apostles know this but the people 5,000 and that's just the men that they were counting imagine the women and children and they keep pulling food out of this basket over and over this is not just an, the thing about that they're just sharing with each other if that's all it was they wouldn't have wanted to go off and make him king they knew darn well there was something there was something going on I was going to say, almost say something fishy going on that would be appropriate wouldn't it but they, they I mean they don't know Jesus they just know that that there's a miracle occurring right before their eyes but they can't see it they only see the results nobody sees anything multiplying in there unless you think that's a one-off there are many saints or say I know of several saints they're canonized that have had this experience the curie of ours once was out of money 
out of money and food to feed his kids, had a, had a school and, and different things going. And he prayed, and the attic was full. Uh, it never ran out of food. And there's another saint I can't think of that had this. And there was a priest in, in Tijuana once that had this happen that was documented, uh, that he prayed and, and the food multiplied. So this, has been, this is not just from New Testament times. Maybe we don't have enough faith. God doesn't always do that. That's the mystery of God. He does, he does what he wants, not what we want, and he always knows what's best. We have to look then. The Eucharist is a hidden miracle, and so God also performs many hidden miracles in our lives. Almost all of his other miracles are public. On, occasionally, like Lazarus, he'll take only a few in the room, and sometimes, like the, the woman that was with the bleeding problem from a few weeks ago, you know, nobody knew he'd, that even Jesus didn't realize at first that healing had poured out of him. But in this case, nobody actually sees it. And this is by design because we take a lot for granted in this world. At Vacation Bible School, I was watching the kids and I said, you know, when I was that age, I just took my parents for granted. I took life for granted. You know, Abbot Jeremy taught me fundamental theology and it's a wonderful class. He's a great teacher. And he gave us a book, which I can't remember the name of, I still got, but the thesis was, we wake in the water. In other words, we find ourselves alive on earth. We become aware as we get older that we exist, that life around us, we take the earth for granted. In this time of astronomy, we're beginning to realize how, how rare this earth probably is. Without the moon, we wouldn't be here stabilizing the climate, for example. I can go on and on about that because I've really studied this, but an atheist wrote this book who said uh, probably the only way life as we know it could exist is if there's a moon stabilizing the planet. Mars goes like this. You would, we couldn't have evolved on it that way. So anyway, we take that for granted. We take the fact that we're conscious beings, that, we, that although we have a soul that lives forever and what we, who and what we are will live forever, right now we're using a biological mechanism called our bodies, which is so, the, the, the consciousness eludes anybody that attempts to find out what it, how, how our body manages to pull it off. And it's the most complex thing in the universe. We take this, it's a hidden miracle, isn't it? Each of us. And this is, it was going through my head this week about that. Watch kids as they get older, you begin to more and more catch on to life. The Eucharist is very similar. They didn't, see a, they didn't see God when they looked at Jesus. He was just a guy from Galilee with, an, with a Galilean accent and worker's hands, none of which was an accident. He was be inviting people not to judge him because he came from the wrong side of the tracks, which he did, or that he had worker's hands, which he did, or that he was a common laborer, which he was, or born to a poor family, which he did. All of that was planned by God. We tend to dismiss people like that. Some do. But God works his hidden miracle of the Eucharist. We'll talk about the Mass a little bit in the next couple of weeks because the readings invite that. What are we doing? So we have that conscious and active participation that Vatican II talked about is knowing what we're doing and why do we believe the Eucharist really is the body and blood of Christ, but it's so hidden. If Jesus, it, Jesus was so hidden that they crucified him, do you think they would have crucified him if they knew he was the son of God? Of course they wouldn't. He hid, it, he hid it except to people with faith, needy people like Mary Magdalene, whose feast was last week. 
And so we have this, uh, the Eucharist being hidden under the, the uh, as Thomas Aquinas called it, the accidents of bread and wine, but the substance is Jesus. And we're invited into that mystery. Again, it's in a, uh, a um, <laughs> it's, it's in a basket, thank you. I can't believe what's I'm just another year or two. Uh, it's, hit, it's, it's hidden in a basket. You know, why don't, uh, this week what I'm going to try to do, and I invite you to do the same thing, is why don't we look for some of the hidden miracles that we don't appreciate until later? Uh, the miracle of life, the miracle of a beautiful day. You know, the AC didn't come on until 8.15 this morning. I was going crazy trying to find somebody to fix this, and uh, it did get fixed. But the people in the first mass, it was hot until it not halfway through mass. A little, a little miracle that God did for us. Uh, you know, I went home and I said, thank you, Lord. I appreciate that, you know. Uh, and there's all kinds of things in your life and mine, and sometimes it takes many years to realize what God's done for us, that he kept us out of trouble by not answering a certain prayer, and so on. So as we continue with the Word of God and the Eucharist, we thank him that he does so many things for us that are often so hidden, and we invite him more deeply into the, life, the miracle of life, which is ourselves.